you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today. We are going to be talking about books, writing books, editing books, uh, and just finding your passion and thinking about making a, a career switch. I am interviewing my editor, Mr. Terry Stafford. Uh, Terry has become a friend of mine, and I hired him uh, based on a recommendation. I met him through a course that I was taking with Honoré Corridor. Actually, I first met Terry at a live conference, Social Media Marketing World, back in, I think, March of 2019. And uh, we kind of kept in touch, and then we reconnected through a course we were both taking with Honoré Corridor, uh, who has become a coach and a mentor in this space. And I'm going to publish an interview later on with Honoré about writing and publishing books. Um, and I ended up hiring Terry as the editor for my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. He did a fantastic job and uh, really learned a lot from him through the process on writing and editing. And uh, he has, is working on a book of his own, all about project management for writers, and really is a wealth of information about organization when it comes to thinking about writing a book, as well as how to think about editing a book. So if you have thought at all about writing a book, if you are in the process of writing a book, or you're thinking about how to edit my book, or if you've thought about becoming an editor of books, then you'll want to listen to this interview. Are you just curious about how I went through the process in working with an editor on my book, you may want to check this out. Uh, so without further ado, further ado, here's my interview with Terry Stafford, who was my editor on the book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, which is available on Amazon uh, anywhere where you buy books. Enjoy. Terry Stafford, writer, editor extraordinaire. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Andy. I've been looking forward to this. I'm excited to go. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. You have uh, just a wealth of experience in a lot of different areas. Um, the biggest is in writing books um, and really thinking through the process of how should you look at writing a book, you know, the project management for book writing. And I know I have a lot of people uh, who listen and follow my show who are interested in building a business and a brand and probably writing a book at some point if they haven't already. Uh, so I thought we'd share some of that as well as some of the editing process. So uh, you are an editor as well. You edited my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, um, did a fantastic job. I was really impressed with it. I think you took it from a, from a one to an eight or a, no, from like a seven to a nine or something like that. Um, and um, I, I really appreciated the, what you added to that. So I want to talk about that as well. Um, so maybe we just start with a you know, quick background about you, who you are and um, what you do. Sure. I, uh, I am a novelist, basically, um, self-employed these days. I was a project manager for NASA and U.S. Air Force contractors for over 30 years. And I, as I started writing novels, I started paying attention to how I could incorporate my project management experience into that whole process. So uh, I, I call them repeatable processes. Project managers just look for repeatable processes, things that you can do the same over and over again. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of writers, they want to write a book, they don't know where to start, or even writers who have already written, but every time they open a new manuscript to write a new book, 
they they feel like they're starting all over again. So so I try to help you know writers get a, get a good foothold. And I've um, I've written several novels, um, a trilogy that I just released the last book from and I am in the middle of uh, actually I have a book called project management for writers that's in with my editor right now as we speak awesome uh, yes yeah, so a true writer project manager editor uh, and you know that whole project management thing is something that I have definitely struggled with you know doing a lot of different things I'm decent at keeping myself fairly organized but um, I think one of the hardest things about creating those like SOPs and, you know, putting that process in place is that, you know, someone like me, I want to just keep moving to the next thing. And it takes time to, to stop and like write down the whole, the steps and the whole process of something you're doing. If you think you're going to be doing it again. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have advice for people on that? Cause I'm sure people like don't do that all the time. And then they run into all kinds of problems because they don't remember what they did last time. Exactly. And, and it's important um, no matter what business you're in, actually, it's important to have systems. And uh, when you have those systems, like, you know, in my book, I start talking about putting together a, a book proposal. Well, most people relate that to traditional publishing. And uh, yeah, yeah, I have to have a book proposal and a cover letter to go find an agent and then for the agent to go find a publisher and all that. But I, I actually encourage indie authors to do that as well, because just the, the act of writing a proposal, I mean, I relate it to a project plan as far as project management goes, you get to kind of brainstorm, you know, what all has to get done. And, and in that you're putting uh, those systems together. And so, I mean, that, that would be like the first process or the first system you do is writing a book proposal. And you just answer a lot of questions, you know, it, it um, you know, who is the market? Who are you writing for? Uh, what makes you qualified to write the book? Uh, who else is on Amazon that's written, you know, like books and stuff like that. So it, it gives you a chance to go through that process. So even if you're an indie author, you know, you're, you're doing the publishing yourself, it's, it's good to go through that process. And then, you know, I, um, I like, writers you can set up a schedule you you know first it always helps to know when you want to launch your book and if you once you set a date it it's your anchor and then you can back up from that you need to start communicating with um you know your editor when is your editor available get get on the editor's calendar get on your book cover designer's calendar get all that on a schedule so you know when your manuscript has to be completed and to your editor in order to meet all those dates. So in that you set up a system, okay, to, for my manuscript to be finished for the editor, I need to be able to write, you know, three days a week, two hours a day, you know, I mean, and, it, and that, that all is calculated off the, off your word count. If you're, if you're looking at a 60,000 word book, then you can do the math and, and just, you know, figure out how many days a week, how many hours a week, really, it, you know, you can write comfortably. Um, if you build your system, if you build your process, that's already going to paint you in a corner because there's no way you can write that much. Then you have to revisit your schedule. You know, now you have to revisit your launch date, talk to your editor, you know, and all, all those people. So you just have to keep rolling into that, that schedule. Um, and once you get it nailed down, 
you know, know what each process is, you know, you'll learn the first time through, you'll learn what the process is for editing. How do you get the manuscript to your editor? What format do they want it in? What can you expect back from the editor? How long it takes to implement the editor's comments? And, and that kind of becomes a system. All right, well, you know, every time I work with an editor, it's a two week process or, you know, whatever their, whatever their process is. So you're kind of dependent on that. And, you know, you have to get, get the book back from the editor to get it to your layout people and how long do they need? So these are all systems you can put together. And if you, if you make notes, if you, if you take copious notes, as you go through the process, uh, it won't be so mysterious on your second time through. Yeah. And, and with your, you just with, get better and better as you go. Yeah. And with your book on project management for writers at your side, you will, uh, you'll be able to plan this there out. You go. Right. You start with that end in mind as you would with any, you know, kind of any goal and work backwards and all the things that you need to do, the, the cover and the editing. And then of course the writing. And uh, I, I did what you talked about in terms of writing. And it was, it was so helpful. I remember when I started thinking, um, you know, back in January, okay, I'm going to write a book. How long is the, is the typical business book? And people said 50, 60,000 words. That sounded like a lot of words. Uh, you know, I've never written anything. I've never even written a blog. So can I really sit down and write that? And then, you know, several people said, hey, just break it down into a daily word count. And I think it was our, our friend and mentor, Honoré Cordor, who said, uh, you know, 50,000 words, just write 500 words a day for 100 days. You probably write emails that are 500 words. And I said, I do. So <laughs> I started doing that. And I wrote, you know, 500 words a day on average for 100 days straight, pretty much. And uh, or more than 100 days straight, because I ended up with 65,000 words before I, before I cut it down. And it was really about building that habit. Uh, and like you said, you got to know yourself too. Like if you can't do what I did, if it can only be four days a week, then maybe you need a longer timeline. Exactly. It's a commitment. It's definitely a commitment, but I, I recommend everybody do it like, like on array, everybody must write a book. So, yes. you know, everybody has one in them, even if it's a family story, write it, you know, yeah. people want to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, and it's so important to, to get organized in that process too. You, you got a little taste of how I work by working with me when I, I think I came to you and said, I'm almost done. I'm going to get you this book in May and I'm going to publish it in, in September. And then of course, I think I gave you the book in July and now I'm publishing it in November, but it is getting done. Uh, we figured out a way to work together and, you know, getting down the stretch, uh, it has been so critical for me to map out the rest of the process, you know, day by day, week by week of like what needs to be done when to make it a, an effective book launch. Right. Right. Yeah. You just like to say, you line it out and you have to stick with it. I will say that, uh, you weren't the only one that, you know, kept changing the schedule. It was, there were several clients that I had under the circumstances these days, yeah. people, I mean, productivity just goes in a strange place, you know, when yeah. the way things are going these days during this pandemic, a lot of, a lot of depression going on and such as that people yeah. slack it off, but no doubt. And that makes um, some people work more and some people work less. Everybody's different. It, right. Yeah. Um, certainly mm -hmm. more opportunities to work for a lot of people. Uh, is that process you talked about, is it different because you've, you work with a lot of nonfiction writers, you've written fiction books and edited fiction as well. Is it different between fiction and nonfiction at all? The editing process itself really isn't. I mean, I'm, you know, most of what I do is copy editing, which is punctuation and spelling and, you know, do the sentences make sense and uh, the flow and all that. So 
that that really isn't um i i have to do you know there's some fact checking involved and if there's something in a nonfiction book that strikes me as a little odd um i may check i may do some fact checking um but i mean in the business world you know there's not a lot i haven't heard you know i don't know everything but there's just a not a lot i haven't heard um in the fiction realm you know, fiction authors are just going to go where they go. You know, I mean, they, you don't really know where they're, and I've, I've, I've edited some doozies, um, yeah. you know, a, a couple really long, uh, in excess of a hundred thousand word novels. Wow. And, um, it's a little hard to stick with those and, and stay alert as you're, as you're getting through those. But, yeah. um, but, but the basics, you know, the basics are there, you know, as far as writing and sentence structure and all that stuff, the basics are about the same. Yeah. Um, and, and the approach as far as for the, for the writer, um, that project management approach, uh, is that about the same as well? Like mapping it out and saying, I'm going to write during this time, hire an editor and all this sort of stuff. Oh yeah. You have to go through all the same steps. Um, I mean, the, the research, for a, a fiction writer as opposed to a nonfiction writer is probably a little different. Uh, there is research you have to do when you're writing a novel, if you know, some lo location research and mm -hmm. things like that, that you want to um, just to stay credible, you know, you want to do some research, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I think the, the basic writing process is the same. Um, you, you know, you're not necessarily writing facts when you're writing a novel. I know what I'm writing a novel you know, I, one of my characters inevitably wakes me up at four o'clock in the morning with a story to tell. So I, I jump out of bed, run in and get the coffee and jump on my keyboard and start capturing that movie playing in my head as best I can. So yeah, uh, that, that probably doesn't happen a lot with nonfiction writers, but you know, I think they have to struggle more because they have to tell the truth, you know, real things. They have, they in have theory. to write about facts. Yeah. Right. In theory, uh, you know, it could be, a, a, I think mine is more advice opinions, but I, you know, some of it might be factual. Um, I'm curious about the, the editing process. So you've been doing this for a while and I know you edit a lot of books. Uh, there may be a lot of aspiring editors out there or people um, who think, you know, I really am into grammar and spelling and like correcting people's stuff, right? I might want to be an editor uh, you know, what do you say to those people? What do you think that, what does that take? What do you need to be a good editor? Well, there's, there is some learning of the craft. Um, and a, a lot of it, I mean, I, I often say, you know, just because you're an English teacher doesn't make you a good editor. And mm. I mean, I mean, on the other side of that, I wouldn't say an English teacher won't make a good, there are plenty of English teachers who are editors, but the, the editing process of a trade book, um, and a, a trade book is just one that you and I know it's on the yeah. shelf, you buy it. Um, it, that editing process is different than editing an English paper or, you know, a college paper or, or something mm -hmm. like that. There, there are standards and for a trade, uh, trade book, the standard is the Chicago manual of style, um, as opposed to the AP style or whatever you use in school. Um, but even with that, I mean, there are things that I'll pull the manual out and check things, but I don't necessarily get legalistic about it. Um, so if you're looking to be an editor, don't get stuck on specific rules. 
but you should, you know, study the craft. I mean, you should know the rules, get to know the rules and the references, study the craft, but don't get locked in because just because somebody is breaking the rule on some something, as long as they're breaking that rule um, consistently throughout the book, I'm okay with that. And, and I have to stay aware of that. And it's like each book has its own style guide, if you will. I mean, if you're going to call something one way in one part of the book, it needs to be called that same way in the, in the rest of the book. So if, if you're going to misspell something intentionally, and a lot of people do that for um, if you're trying to write regionally and, you know, you're trying to pick up slang and such as that, a, you don't want to overdo it to the point of distracting the reader. You never want to distract the reader. But if you're going to do it, if you're going to misspell a word intentionally for effect, make sure you misspell that word continuously throughout the whole story. So consistency is just as important, if not more so, than, than technical um, expertise in, in writing. So as an editor, you, you have to stay open to that. Um, if you get um, if you get real stuck in in rules, you and your writer your may, may get crossways, and and likewise you need to um, quickly become familiar with your author's with your client's voice and the voice he's trying to portray in the book, and stay true to that. Never, never, ever should an editor start writing things or editing things. To, to say things the way he would say it. You know, it's, it's none of your editor's business or none of your business as an editor yeah. um, to try to rewrite somebody's voice. Mm. You know, they leave it, make sure that you leave everything in, in the writer's voice. It needs to be the author's voice, not your voice. Yeah. You know, just, just because he said something one way and you wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have said it that way. Well, nobody cares what you think. Like you're not you the know? writer. Right? You're yeah. just, yeah, you're just an editor. So stay out of it. Yeah. So you had to be real careful, real aware of that. Well, I appreciate it when I worked with you. It was the first time writing a book, the first time working with an editor that you, you said it right off the bat, you know, I'm making all these corrections and suggestions. They are merely suggestions. It's your book. It's your voice. You know, feel free to accept, reject whatever you want because it's, it, I'm not the rule, right? This is this is your book. I also appreciated that uh, you did a lot of education along the way, a lot of comments like, hey, the, we, the Chicago Manual style says this, we do it this way. Um, I've never been a fan of, of the Oxford comma, but I adopted it uh, at your at your guidance uh, throughout the book. And so we do have that consistently. Um, and uh, the other thing I'm gonna say is that, you know, you found uh, probably plenty of uh, a few sentences that I wrote that didn't make sense at all and made your, your suggestion, your attempt at correcting it in my voice and saying, I think you were trying to say this, but don't let me put words in your mouth. Make sure that you, you say it the way you want to say it, which was, which was really good for me to see and liberating to say, okay, you're helping me, but you're not taking over my book. I can still write it how I want to write it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. You should bring up the Oxford comma that that's kind of a bone of contention in, in all of the English language. And, hmm. um, I mean, the Chicago manual is very much all about the Oxford commas. Most editors you run across will be quite upset 
if you don't use the the Oxford comma. But even at that, if if you had come back to me and said, you know what, Terry, I don't want to use the Oxford comma. And for and for anybody who might not understand, that's it's the last comma before and if you list out things, you know, A, B, C, and D. Well, yeah. the comma before and is the Oxford comma. A yeah. lot of people uh, don't use that. And if you had said to me, you know what, Terry, I don't want to use the Oxford no. comma. I don't care what you say. Um, I, I would go with that as long as you're consistent. Right. You know, if you if you don't use it most of the book, but in three places you do use the Oxford comma, I'm going to call you on it. You know, yeah. so, yeah, um, you know, it's your decision, but be consistent. Yeah, that, that was interesting. And so I, at first I was like, oh, I don't know if I want this Oxford comma, maybe I'll take it out. And I was like, oh, wait, there's like 5,000 instances of lists with commas in this book. So we got to decide right now and you're mm -hmm. recommending it. So, you know, go with it. I mean, either way, and probably you think about it, you don't want to distract or offend readers, right? And the chances of a reader seeing an Oxford comma and saying, oh, this shouldn't be there is pretty low, but someone seeing no Oxford comma might say, hey, this is supposed to have an Oxford comma, and then they're going to get distracted by it the whole book. It's especially if your reader knows anything about editing yeah. <laughs> at all, it'll yeah. drive them crazy. I mean, right. it's, it's like an OCD problem, but, um, and, and that's the thing, you know, also anybody wanting to be an editor, if, and I kind of grew up that way and, and went through all school that way in my adult life. It's kind of a curse. I mean, if you're writing, I mean, if you're reading anything and spelling errors just pop into your head and you immediately stop reading or you're reading an email and, you know, something is out of whack. It's kind of a curse because you see it everywhere. I mean, you, you're on Facebook, you're reading these posts on Facebook and it's like, I can't believe they did that. You know I mean? It's like, don't these people think, and, and you're just looking at this stuff all the time. Yeah. Well, if you, if you feel cursed with looking at errors, you may be good editing material. You might be so an editor. <laughs> you might be an editor. Yeah. So um, that's just it. But the bottom line of the whole editing process is the, the experience that your reader gets. That's what it's all about. I mean, as an author, your most important consideration is your reader and anything that you might do to distract the reader or to what, you know, we call jerking the reader out of the story. You know, if, if they look at something and it stops them in their tracks or, and you, you don't even realize you're doing it a lot, but you stop reading the story and start thinking about that error and uh, or, you know, you, you can't get through a sentence you can't understand a sentence. Well, you're breaking the whole flow of the story. You know, a reader's trying to get to your book and now you've stopped him. You've interrupted him. And if you do that, you know, if you do that two or three times in the first chapter, they're going to put the book down. They're closing the cover and they're going to throw it aside. It's just too distracting. Yeah. That's, it's so important. And, you know, I did, while I did have, uh, so I created an advanced reader team, right. Um, at the suggestion of, of Honoré and, um, I had uh, several people reading my book uh, early on before it was published and um, and several people caught quite a few typos and things that, that went through the cracks and was able to correct those, which was great. Uh, but so many people have given me great feedback saying this book flows so well, it's in your, it's in your voice. I can hear you reading it. It's, it's really great. And um, you know, I credit you for keeping it smooth 
throughout the whole book so that there aren't those distracting things that that jar people and then they, they're like i can't read this anymore screw this right? yeah yeah really and you know it and it i've i've had to train myself not to get so upset when errors do make it through i mean i i saw the comments of some of your readers and it was like man i hate that and and it's yeah. like but any editor will tell you they're never a hundred percent which is yeah. which is the beauty of letting other readers get a hold of it i mean right. you, you have a proofreader after the editor mm -hmm. you have an advanced reader team after all that so yeah. you know the more eyes you can get on that book the better but yeah i mean in the beginning it would eat me up it's like i can't believe i let that get through i can't believe mm -hmm. and even some of the ones that your readers were pulling out is i was still like where in the heck did that come from? You know, right. and it's like, especially some of those that were so obvious, there were numbers like mixed up in a word. There were, you know, numbers. Yeah. Um, that one I think letters was replaced with them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't think that went through you or me, but the other ones like the bulleted list with capital letters and, and stuff. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that. It's like, man, especially when the format changes like that, it's a mm -hmm. list. Um, yeah. And, and I think it must be just human nature when you see a list to not look at it so closely mm. or something. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's why even during lists, I intentionally slow down because I think you're going to overlook something on this list because it's a list. And yeah, uh, but, but sure enough, that they, they got through it. I, I keep trying not to beat myself up, but man. Uh, but there again, you know, any editor is going to say, and it's usually in their agreement, nothing is a hundred percent. And, and I read books, I mean, by some big time authors and big time publishers and errors made it through, you know? So yeah, you still see stuff. It's inevitable, I guess. But, but you know, there again, if you read the first chapter and there are, you know, 10 errors in the first chapter, well, something's wrong. Something's wrong. That's bad. Yeah. Um, but you're right. And, and with mine, it's 50, you know, 60,000 words, you probably had 5,000 corrections and, and there were like 100 more that made it through the cracks or whatever. And, and there was one guy on my advanced reader team. That was a guy who posted in the Facebook group. He also sent me a separate doc with like 30 things, all like little things. And I, I wrote back to him. I said, you know, have you thought about being an editor? Because you, yeah, really? I mean, you are really catching some little stuff. And he's like, yeah, actually I, I would, I've thought about that. Uh, so to get, <laughs> to get out of the editing um, for people listening who are, you know, there's a lot of people that want to write nonfiction books, of course, to help with business or whatever, but uh, you write novels as well. And um, there are a lot of people that maybe dream of writing novels as well one day. Um, how do you approach writing a novel? How do you know if like, if you have an idea for a story that it has legs to be a novel, an interesting novel, and it's something you want to start writing uh, versus like, ah, this is an idea, but I have no idea if it's going to actually go anywhere. Yeah, my first novel was actually um, based on a true story, and I and I think that's that's a good place to go, because there may be stories in your family that you want to tell, but you don't really want to get in the family's face. I mean, you, you don't really want to start, um, you know, just getting into the the old dirty laundry thing and all that. You, you just don't want to go there. And I mean, mine wasn't necessarily dirty laundry. It was just a family story that I wanted to tell, but I wrapped it around fiction. I, I put it in, you know, I built a fiction world. I included, or I heavily incorporated my love of music, bluegrass music. I am a musician. So I incorporated all that in there and I told the story 
on a foundation of bluegrass festivals and, you know, friends getting together together to play music and all that. One of the mu musicians, the, um, the protagonist in the story, you know, it was a whole thing. They couldn't have children. So they adopted a child um, and then found out a year later, they got pregnant anyway, when they weren't mm -hmm. supposed to be able to get pregnant. And I hear that a lot. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's something in the psyche. I think that, you know, you adopt a child and then you can become pregnant when everybody said you couldn't, nice. but that, you know, that happened. And, and that, that whole story was uh, a story that my sister lived um, and you know, she had two children out of wedlock and the second one they decided to put up for adoption. And, you know, so all that was in there. Hmm. Um, the child died of leukemia when she was 16 and, hmm. you know, a lot of painful stuff in there that hmm. I just, I just didn't want to tell as a nonfiction. I didn't want to tell it as a memoir. Right. So I, I wrapped it around this fictional setting with fictional characters and it all worked great. My sister loved it. I mean, there, you know, there was no issues there. So, because she's also a bluegrass lover. So she liked that part of it anyway. Um, so that's a good place to start, to begin, just start mm -hmm. writing a story, writing stuff, you know, and it's really just like nonfiction. You write stuff, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you know, in the fictional world, you write stuff, you know, uh, if there are a lot of novels that you read and, you know, if you like fantasy, then start writing a fantasy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. So, you know, the story has been told somewhere before, but not in your voice. So you can't get hung up in that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's your story, your voice um, and just build it however you want. You know, like I said, if you want to avoid memoir, um, create a story around around one of your family things that your family knows about yeah um so there, there's a lot of ways to go with that you know if you you know if you're thinking about writing a book at all you should keep a notebook with you or a recorder or something yeah. to capture ideas when you're driving down the street because they come and they go and if you think oh i, I need to write that down when i get home forget yeah. it you've lost it already so yeah i've, I've learned that just with like all the stuff I create for social media and everything like these ideas come to me and I'm like, ah, I got to write that down right now. Otherwise, it, and if I don't, it's, it's gone completely. It's gone. Yeah. Do you, when you think and about, like, you know, uh, it, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say when, um, you know, then, it, then it's like you lost the most important thing in the world, you know, mm -hmm. and that, that fleeting idea you didn't capture it. And now you said, I know that was the most important thing in the world and I forgot yeah. to write it down. So. Yeah. Anyway, when you start, um, you know, going through this process to start writing a novel and you talk about maybe taking something, you know, and turning it in, uh, is there part of that too, where you, are there ways to figure out, is this something that people actually want to read? Because, you know, ideally you want to create something that's will be popular or at least people will enjoy reading. As long as it's well written, there, you know, there's going to be a market for it. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's just boring right out of the shoot, then yeah, nobody's going to read it. There are plenty of books on Amazon that nobody reads. Um, I, I mean, I would say as, as a practical matter, uh, you know, in the craft of writing, if you're going to write a novel, the first sentence out of the first paragraph, you know, in the first chapter, right off of the bat, start in the middle of some action. Mm. Um, you know, don't, don't start off with a bunch of backstory and, you know, uh, you know, telling the history of people before you start. No, jump right in the middle of the story. You know, somebody's running my second novel, the first of the trilogies, 
it opens the opening scene was somebody That's running like, down the hallway down the hall. i know i just read running down the hall uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> running down the hall and you know running into the conference room somebody got killed so um start in the middle of that you know start square in the middle of the story and i i will say um there's a book called uh by stephen king actually called on writing that's the name of the book on writing i've heard of that it's a great book, especially for fiction writers, but he describes something called a, a pantser or a, um, how did he call it? What is what a, a planner, a planner and a pantser. Was that it? I don't oh, think planner was it. the word, yeah. but it was an outliner. You know, basically you outline your stories mm. or you don't. Um, and he is, he calls himself a pantser. And um, which means the story comes to you as you're writing. And that's exactly how I write. You know, like I said, one of my one of my characters will inevitably wake me up in the morning with a story to tell, and and that's where I go. You know, I I I have not outlined the story. I don't know what chapter four is going to be before I get there. Um, I don't know what I'm going to write in the morning until I wake up and start writing, and the stories come to me. So, um, you know, I don't think there is such thing as writer's block. You know, I I mean, it's just you're just not thinking, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I don't think there's anything mentally or physiologically called writer's block, but um, I, I loosely have an ending in mind or a point that I want to make. Um, and so the last scene might come to me early and I, I always like creating my book covers early, earlier than most people would because it keeps me motivated yeah. And um, I did that. As it well. was kind of funny The the last book in that trilogy, it's a Brandon McStocker trilogy is what it's called. It's a political thriller, but the um, the last book cover uh, that I had done with that, the, my designer gave me a handful of options, to, you know, to choose from, but he gave me one that it just, it took my breath away. Hmm. And it was like, I I can't use that cover. I mean, that that's going to light some people up. What it was is it's a picture of two F-18s doing a strafing run on San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that's the big picture. You can yeah. see the, the bridge and all that. And it was like, that shocked me when I saw it. I mean, it, and then, and then I started thinking about it. And plus it really didn't have anything specific to do with the book, with, with the story, huh. but but it was so impactful to me. I went back in and I added a chapter to the story to make that cover make sense because it was, it just meant that much to me. It was like, I have to use that book cover. So now I'm going to go back and make it make sense. You know? So huh. I had to kind of reverse engineer the story a little bit, but man, I just wanted that cover. Uh, at first it scared me off. I thought there's no way I'm going to use that cover, but then man, it grew on me and it was like, I have to use that cover. Huh. So that's the cover of the book. Left Coast Left is the name of the book. So it's right. there for all, for all to see. Awesome. Well, I hope people go uh, check out your trilogy there uh, and all your stuff. And Terry, for anybody listening who uh, wants to get in touch with you, follow you, maybe work with you, hire you as an editor, uh, where, where should they go? There is a form, a work with me form on my website, terrystafford.com. Um, and you can get on there and you know, reach out to me, send me an email. Um, I think my phone number is even on there. If you want to give me a call, it's probably a little dangerous, but call me <laughs> if you want, that's perfectly fine. Uh, but oh, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a form on there. We can get a conversation going anyway. 
Awesome. Uh, Terry, thank you so much for coming on, explaining the whole writing process, editing process. Uh, I know this has been just helpful for me to think through it all again and uh, helpful for others as well. So thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. I knew it was going to be a blast. I appreciate it. As always. All right. Take care. You bet. Take care.